Welcome to Death and Aliens, an in-depth look at horror and sci-fi TV from two cousins who vaguely know what they're doing. I'm MK. And I'm Monica. And um, I think what I did with my week is a little obvious. Yeah, you got new hair. It's very cute. It's reading a little bit more like true and ginger on the camera, I know. not as vibrant. I mean, it's because the, the money pieces are coral, so they are so much lighter than the back. And with the yellow light, it's like bringing out the... But yeah. I'm a ginger now. I still look... I look very like Amy Pond right now, actually. I look very... Um, my chem. I, um, if you guys are watching, I did eyeliner today that looks like bat wings. I normally tend to do it around this time of year because Halloween's coming. Spooky bitches. And I love it. Um, I just saw the TikTok again that says that I will now no longer be referred to as a um, emo agath. Or a punk or alt. I will also no longer be taking a spooky snack. I will from henceforth only be referred to as an Edgar Allan Poe. I love that. I don't look it, but that is me. And then, because she actually genuinely loves Edgar Allan Poe so much. So much. See, whereas I prefer the term spooky snack because I am more spooky snack-like than Edgar Allan Poe-esque. So I stick with the spooky snack, even though, like, looking at me, you think, like, oh, she would be an Edgar Allan Poe, too. No, I'm a spooky snack. Or, as my boyfriend likes to call it, Big Titty Gothgia. So... Yeah, but you do have, like, the most golden retriever boyfriend. I really do. <laughs> I have the... I literally have the alt-girl golden retriever boyfriend relationship. He is such a golden retriever. And I love him so much for it. But, other than that, I haven't done jack shit this- Oh, wait. Yes, you have! I started work! I actually have a job? Look at me, becoming a member of society once again. I fucking hate it. <laughs> I had job interviews. And, and you know what? You're gonna come back- And you came back great on the one. Now we just gotta wait for the other one. So you can make a decision. Yeah, I don't know. I have a very busy week next week. This was my last week of being a lazy piece of shit. Like, I literally don't have a single day free next week. Monday is the only day because it's the day that we are. Yeah, but work. that's not free because we're still working. True. So, between my job and this job, mm -hmm. there's only one day that I don't have something to do for either work or the podcast, mm -hmm. but I have things to do that day. Yeah. That's rough. So, I'm doing great. I actually, I have Monday, Tuesday, next week, I think. I can't remember. I'll have to check the group schedule. I was going to say, I can tell you right now. What is your schedule next week? Oh. You got it, dude. Food. Food. Um, no, my mom has been um, having issues this week because she had to get a new phone. And but so anyone who has AT and T, AT and T did this thing where they decided. AT and T, it's 
AT&T did this thing where they have switched their entire cellular network over to 5G, which is great. Except that if your phone didn't have 5G capabilities, they decided we're going to be helpful and mail you a free phone. I called and canceled the free phone because I didn't want it. My mom forgot to call and cancel the free phone, and they sent her a garbage Walmart piece, like a garbage phone. Like a track phone? No, I mean, it was a 5G flick smartphone, mm -hmm. but like it had zero store memory storage, and it literally came from Walmart. Oh, Jesus. And so she had to switch over to that one because she was having issues with texts coming through mm -hmm. on her phone, so she switched to the new one. And then she still wasn't getting messages on her phone. And it also, she couldn't, like, download any of her apps or anything. Jesus. And so this morning, she finally got a real new phone so that she just texted to test if her messages were working. Oh, no. I'll deal with that later. What happened? Um, when she reset her WhatsApp, she lost everything since July 28th. So any pictures or anything that we got in our family group chat between July 28th and now, she's lost all of that. Um, Which isn't a lot, actually. It's okay. only two weeks. I think I lost two days when I redid mine, but she lost two weeks. So we'll just have to forward her the pictures that she lost. Yeah, at least she'll still yeah. have them. Because um, that's the one thing, because my family has always had somebody living outside of the country for some reason, mm -hmm. we have our family group chat is a WhatsApp chat rather than a regular text chat. Not, yeah. And so most of the time when we're talking to each other, we still use WhatsApp. <laughs> um, yeah. So you started work. I had my job interviews. I dyed my hair. Um, oh. Apologies for some of the weirdness in last week's video. We are still uh, learning the new technology. Yep. Yeah, so this week was kind of meh, meh. Yeah. Exciting, but meh at the same time. It's like... I feel like... I don't remember this week. See, I, I, like, not a lot happened. To where I can like I'm to trying talk to about it. I'm like trying to remember so like we recorded last last Saturday, Saturday. that's fine Sunday I genuinely did absolutely nothing because it was so hot like I literally that's right because you move. then you asked me to make a po the post for last week because you're like I I'm too hot and I can't be bothered I literally was like I don't know what was going on I it was also like almost a hundred degrees that day it was it was so hot no but why was I I don't know. Like, I literally have no idea what I did on Sunday. I don't remember Sunday at all. I know I did nothing, but I don't remember it. Mm -hmm. Monday. Oh, Monday, I spent most of the day fixing my phone because I went to AT&T on Monday. Yeah, that's right. And then Tuesday. Oh, Tuesday, I was also so hot I didn't move because I didn't move my car, and that's why I got a parking ticket Tuesday night, because I was so fucking hot I did not even oh. move my car to the correct side of the street. That's why I don't remember this week, because I was in a heat coma for the whole week. Yeah, basically. It was a really hot week. Yeah, this week there was, um like, dangerous heat warnings for our county. Which never happens up here. It really doesn't get that hot around here. 
I mean, granted, the temperature only hit like 90. But because it was so humid. But because humid. it was so humid and because this area doesn't usually get heat like that, mm -hmm. we had like dangerous heat warnings. Yeah, basically, like, if you're outside, go in a pool, don't leave dogs outside for too long, you'll burn their It was paws. literally, like, it literally was, like, your phone was, like, please be in air conditioning. Yeah. Which, fun fact, I don't have. At least you can sit in front of a fan. At least it's something. Yeah, but the fan, because it's so humid, the air is so sticky, and then the fan blows the pollen right at my face, so my allergies have been, but, like, yeah. horrible, too. I've been sleeping on the couch because it's so much hotter in my room. room. It's just been a week. The only good thing is this. You mean you look really good. I love it. And it comes off very like a muted red um, camera. It might be different when we see it on the monitor. But it's very like it's a vibrant punchy red. And then there's you know, my black hair. I like the muted though. Like, I mean I like the vibrant red too. But like what it looks like, like on camera is what I wanted. Yeah. And I feel like she did that because it will end up fading into that. Probably. So. This week we watched Kolchak episode 13, Primal Scream. There was no screaming to be heard. None. Zero. Although, I did think that Primal Scream would make a really dope, like, band name. I was thinking the same thing, like, I got alternative indie rock band name. Yeah, I also heard something on a podcast this week that I was like, that would be a sick band name. I'm going to remember that and talk about it on the pod on our podcast. Then I no remember. idea. Yeah. No idea what it was. Um, this episode was rated 7.4 stars, which is not high. I mean, 7.4 is really not bad, but yeah. compared to other episodes of this show, it is not very and now high. I, like, and the basis of this episode is another governmental cover-up, and of course, normally the ends are less very ambiguous, very open-ended, very not tied up in a nice, neat bow when it's Kolshak versus a monster. Um, and I know a lot of that ambu- ambigu- help? Ambiguity. Ambiguity, thank you. You're welcome. Um, I know that it's harder to look past it, and not a lot of people like the whole no tie with a nice bow, but it wasn't- it still wasn't bad. Um, this- was tied with last week's for the lowest so far. And I liked last week's. I did too, but I think the thing is... Uh, by, no, I liked the week before's more than last week. Yeah, I think the thing is that... And this is just my guess, because obviously I was not alive in 1975. But I'm guessing, like, heavily relying on government scandal plots was probably not as interesting yeah. as the actual like horror sci-fi aspect like mm -hmm. because both the mr ring episode and this episode are things that could actually fully 100 percent happen there is nothing supernatural mm -hmm. or or like alien about it it's mm -hmm. literally just like shit that could actually be happening and then the government said it's just no. hiding it yeah which is not when you're looking when you're watching something specifically to be scared you're not going to be scared You don't want by... real things. Yeah. Like, oh, this is what I thought of. I was listening to a podcast that was talking about things that people find dangerous and why we're, like, drawn to dangerous things. Mm -hmm. And, like, we are talking about... And the, it was a podcast run by economists. So mm -hmm. they're talking about trying to explain to aliens why human beings voluntarily scare themselves 
like if your fear is like heights, you don't go to high places. If your mm -hmm. fear is spiders, you don't hang out with spiders. But we watch horror movies and yeah. like voluntarily put ourselves in super uncomfortable positions for what reason? Yeah. I have no fucking clue, but yeah, we do do that. So, like, so, but these episodes, if you're going into that, like, I want to be scared, I want to see crazy shit, and then it's like, this is actually happening right now. You're like, mmm, but I didn't, I didn't ask for that. Yeah, and that, that could be, like you said, the whole learning about the governmental hide-ups, when you're dealing with, like... I mean, right now, in the climate of 2021, I think these episodes would probably be ranked higher, oh, because yeah. we already have such an anti-government-like... Mm -hmm environment yeah but i think in the 70s well but also the 70s wasn't really pro-government either like they're kind of still fuck the establishment fuck the man but then we're also coming from a blue collar type of side of the but you know what okay this is why this the vietnam war was just about to end Oh. The Vietnam War ended in April of 1975, and this was January of 1975. Mm -hmm. So probably people were, the government was probably a real touchy subject. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> T, well, anyway. <clears throat> um, it came out on January 17th, 1975. Y'all right there? No, but it's okay. Ooh, also... The fact that this came out in 1975 makes the way that this starts even more uncomfortable. Oh, no. Um, so, but also maybe only to me. Yeah. No, 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 because the blurb starts with the words, the heat is on. Mm -hmm. Now, there is a song in the musical Miss Saigon entitled The Heat Is On in Saigon, and people, when they talk about Vietnam, the Vietnam War and how hot it was in Vietnam, they say The Heat Is On in Saigon. So for this to be an anti-government episode, and the blurb literally starts with The Heat Is On. <laughs> oh my god. The heat is on when cell samples brought back from the Antarctic begin to grow after exposure to warmth during an air conditioning failure. The cells evolve into creatures who terrorize Chicago, and Kolchak must fight a government cover-up to track them down. Which, he doesn't really fight a government cover-up. They actually never mention the government. No. They talk about the oil company and the police department, which I guess is technically the, the government, government, but the government is not involved. No, it's not like it... It's not like last week or... where you literally had the FBI tailing him. Yeah. That was the government. This was your local police force. <laughs> right. Um, this was directed by Robert Shearer. He had about 71 credits. Um, he directed a bunch of Star Trek episodes. He was most known for directing the Danny Kaye show, which I don't know what that is. Um, okay, so, uh, have you ever seen White Christmas? Yeah. Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye. Yeah, no, no, I, I know who Danny Kaye is. I don't oh. know, like, I don't know if it was, like, like, the Dick Van Dyke show or the, and, the, and I Love Lucy, where it was, like, featured person, oh. but it was a plot, or if it was more, like, a, like a, like a variety show, show like, yeah. the Bob Newhart show. Yeah. Like, that's the only thing, is, like, I know who Danny Kaye is. Mm. I just don't know if we're talking, like, Bob Newhart or Dick Van Dyke in terms of what, what the, the what show the show was. was. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I was like, is she that? I'm like, is she trying to no. say something? Like, literally in Christmas Vacation, uh, uh, 
National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation goes to tap dance with Danny fucking K. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, I know who Danny K is. I'm not stupid. I'm just I a am. little dumb. <laughs> um, he's also very well known for directing a bunch of episodes of Fame, and he actually won an Emmy for directing Fame. Um, it was written by Bill S. Ballinger, who wrote Firefall, the conductor episode. Oh, okay. And um, David Chase, who wrote four previous episodes and has three more to go. So Is he basically finishing the rest of the show? No, we're on 13 out of 20. There's seven more oh. episodes. But he said he's already done three. He, yes, he, no, he's already done four. This is his fifth. There's three more. So of the 20, he writes eight. Eight. Oh, okay. But I think all of them he wrote in conjunction with someone. I don't think any of them are solo. Oh, okay. Um, our guest stars... We have John Marley, who played Captain Molnar. He was nominated for an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor in 1970. He has 171 credits. He started acting in 1947. And, again, nothing really jumped out at me. Like, yeah. he was one of those guys who was in everything, but, like... He was, in, like, a stick-out character. I mean, like, not being nominated for an Oscar is great. Yeah. You didn't win. <laughs> Um, Then we have Pat Harrington Jr., who played Thomas Kitzmiller, the PR agent. Um, He won an Emmy for Best Supporting Actor in One Day at a Time, not the new one with Rita Moreno, the old one. Okay. Um, He had 165 credits. He was in, um, the most recent thing he was in was an episode of Hot in Cleveland. Oh, but he's really? also in an episode of Golden Girls, and he was um, one of the main characters in the 1960s Disney movie, The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes. Um, what character did he play in Golden Girls? His name was John, and he was in one episode, so I have absolutely no idea. Oh. <laughs> well. Because John is not a very uh, standout, standout name. name. Yeah. Um, then we have Catherine Woodville, who played Dr. Helen Lynch. She had about 59 credits. She was in an episode of Star Trek, the original series. She was in Wonder Woman, Mission Impossible. Again, one of those kind of in everything mm-hmm. actresses. Also, I feel bad because I don't think she's a good actress. She was one that was in the bed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when we get to those scenes, we'll, we'll talk about it. But I, it's a, it's unfortunate to say, but very one. I hate I like I hate saying that because like also I know that acting style was very different in the seventies. Yeah. But she just did not read well. No. At all. It's very confusing. Very one note. Well, it's not even, no, it's not even that it was one note. It was confusing. Like, the, True. the way, what she was saying. Versus what her face was doing. Versus what her face is saying. Also, the emotion that she was putting into what she was saying versus what was actually true yeah. in the plot. Yeah. Like, it just, I was very confused. Um, and then our last guest star was Jamie Farr. He played Jack Burton, the biology teacher. And if you don't know who Jamie Farr is, you need an education. (laughs) Which I really only said in that way because um, you will see how dumb Monica and her boyfriend seemed when they saw him yesterday. Yeah. There he is. Who that? Some dude named James Farr. Do you not know who that is? Mm-hmm. 
The nose looks similar and so do the eyes, but I can't place it. Hawkeye from MASH. I am fully aware that he plays Klinger and not Hawkeye. I just fucked up. Jamie Farr uh, is one of our few guest stars who's still alive. I love that. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. He was just in a TV show like two years ago, I think. Oh, shit. Um, he played Corporal Maxwell Klinger in M.A.S.H. I don't really care what any of his other credits are. If you've never seen MASH, I don't... I don't, uh, I, it's, I don't know how you can be alive and not... Like, even if you've never watched the entire series of MASH, mm -hmm. MASH is so huge, like, so hugely in, like, the pop culture zeitgeist that I don't know how anybody could just not know. Yeah, and that's... I've seen episodes here and there, but I never, like, watched it. Right. And I don't know... I don't remember characters' names. I don't know <laughs> actors' names. I know faces. I'm then, one degree of separation away from Jamie Farr. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, because I've worked with Loretta Swit, who played Hot Hand, Hot Lips Houlihan, which is one of the girls in their uh, unit. Oh my god, that means I'm also one degree away from Alan Alda. <laughs> um, which then means that I'm only two degrees away from Bradley Whitford, because Alan Alda was in The West Wing. And Bradley Whitford was in the last thing. <laughs> Which so means I'm also one degree, oh two degrees away from Dulé Hill. Do you know who Dulé Hill is? I did, I don't. But... Dulé Hill is as Gus Burton from Psych, but also Sam the Onion Man from Holes. Oh! I can fix that. Oh, okay! <laughs> Mary Kay, you're out here. You fuck the whole six degrees away from Kevin Bacon bullshit. I probably am six degrees away from Kevin oh, Bacon. Oh, without a fucking doubt. Um, anyway, um, my favorite facts about Jamie Farr and his role as Corporal Klinger is that um, he found out on set the first day that Klinger was going to be a cross-dresser, which if you haven't seen MASH, Corporal Klinger is very famously a cross-dressing member of their unit, and he wears women's clothing for large parts of the series. But it was his idea to not make him a, like, feminine or character or a stereotype, because he just didn't want to, A, do that in a way that wasn't true, because that's not who he is, mm -hmm. and B, he also didn't... At the, you have to remember, at the time, they're dealing with the Korean War. Yeah. Which he did serve in the military in the Korean War. He's one of only two members of the cast of MASH to actually be, be in, the, in the Korean War. And so he knew very well, like from experience, that a soldier who was in that time period having feminine tendencies and dressing as a girl because of like a gender identity mm -hmm. question would not have been treated well. Yeah. So he was like, let's not persecute someone. Mm -hmm like, or a group of someone, and just make this one particular character batshit crazy. Yeah. And he did. <laughs> and, because Klinger is very much, like, a, just a weird, like, he's a weirdo. He's a whack job. He mm -hmm. is not all there. Yeah. And, um, and then actually, the cross-dressing did end up being why he quit the show, Mm -hmm. But it wasn't because he had anything against it. It was because he didn't want his kids to get picked on for their dad being a cross-dresser on TV. Because, yeah. you know, back in the 70s, we weren't really kind to children. Yeah, no. 
Um, I love him. He's great. My favorite is that you recognized his nose, but not his face. Yeah. The nose looked similar. Also, his character was my favorite character in this episode. Oh, yeah. So the episode starts with the scientist. Well, no, it starts with Kolshek narrating, obviously. Um, But then it's a flashback of the scientist getting um, um, unalived. Yeah, he's getting the ever-loving daylights strangled out of him or jumped upon because we can't really tell. We can't really tell because the night there was a really nice death freeze frame. Yeah. Whereas in some scenes we have seen the freeze frame happen, but it hasn't been done nicely, and it just looks this really episode, corny and gimmicky. Yeah, this episode did it really nicely, because you could, it wasn't like, okay, so in the werewolf episode, they, like, never showed the werewolf. Yeah. In this episode, they showed it, but they showed it in a way that you weren't 100% sure what it was. Yeah. And then the death was, like, instead of fake violence, mm-hmm. they stopped and did a weird freeze frame right at the moment it, that would have been, been really violent. Yeah. And it, and was, it wasn't, after, like, one of those, like, those weird freeze frames. It was like, ah! And then, like, their face just stays, like, frozen. No, it was the training. action was frozen. Yeah. It was really good. Um, but so then Kolchak goes to said crime scene, and uh, we have the sassiest police captain of all time. Oh, for sure. Um, he, what was the first thing he said that was just so sassy? When I told Kolchak, he was like, oh, any death was brutal. Oh, yeah, Kolchak was like, I heard it was a really messy death. He was like, have you ever seen one that wasn't? Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and then Kolchak was like, uh, why is this guy's arm gone? He's like, well, both of yours are going to be if you don't calm down. And yeah, I was like, like, we haven't seen this much clapback from an officer since, like, episode three. Right. And then Kolchak goes into the freezer at the lab that is not a freezer anymore, and it's really, and he's like, it smells like mildew. And he's like, that's probably your undershirt. And Kolchak right. goes, or your jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Which, there's a lot of people who can't tell jokes in this episode. Oh, definitely, and Ron Updike is one of them. Because me and Mary-Kate thought that at one of these jokes, he was seriously going on about an actual thing that happened, but it was just to land a really shitty fucking joke at the end. That's not even the one I'm mad about. The one that I was really mad about where I wrote that his jokes were terrible was... I don't even remember... It was way before that. I have a note that says Ron's jokes are terrible. Yeah, I remember your, I remember what they were talking about. If I don't remember what it was. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but my favorite thing about that scene was that all the other reporters were, like... Agreeing with Kolshek. Yeah, they were fine until Kolshek got there, and then they all, like, jumped on Kolshek's team. Like, Kolshek just kept, like, talking shit about the police officer, and he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, he doesn't know anything. And then the other reporter guy goes, doesn't know anything. And, like, they Ooh. just, like, went with it, and I was like... Okay. Cole Shack is a little band, band of misfits. Um, then Kolchak goes to see the PR manager for the company that the scientist worked for. Mm. Probably he did not want to see the PR manager. But they have a little scene where Kolchak's talking about how when you're working with such a big company, they transfer you to this person and to this person and to this person, and then they put you on hold and blah, blah, blah. And in a company like that, the PR person is the only person allowed to talk to the news. Mm -hmm. And the PR man is Mr. Thomas Katzmiller. What name? And he is wearing the nicest suit. Oh, for sure. But see, I love that that is his name, because I was just talking the other week about somebody who was a lawyer, but I didn't think their name was lawyer enough. Mm-hmm. 
And I was like, I feel like you should only be a lawyer if your last name's something like Woodford or Millstone. Mm-hmm. Like, if your name's, like, like... If, you're, if you have some, like, organic compound in, like, the end of your name, in your last name, yeah. be a lawyer. Right. Like, yeah. wood, steel, coal. But not coal check. Not coal check. <laughs> um, but so he's got a very nice suit. He also um, has very little patience for any of Kolchak's questions. Um, oh, absolutely. I did have one note because I thought um, that the PR guy was making shit up. Mm-hmm. It was the part when he was looking at the map that you didn't think was a real map. Yeah, I, okay, first of all, they have the whole map of the world just, like, spall, spall, uh, sprawled out. And then, like, these three blobs that I'm only assuming are, like, the Antarctics and, like... The upper okay. coast stuff. For clarification, the map was a regular map of the world, but the focal point was the Antarctic region. So northern Canada, Greenland, and Antarctica had a zoom on them that you don't see on a normal map. Granted, a normal map that you see today is not accurate mm-hmm. to size of countries at all. Yeah. That's a whole different story. But yeah, so this map was just in a way that was the focal point of the map was the places where they were digging for oil, obviously. But he said that ever since they went above Prince Patrick Island. And I said, what? What is that? Mm-hmm. Turns out Prince Patrick Island is real. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. It's part of Northern Canada and the Northwest Territories. The thing is, I didn't think it was real because there's no one in the royal family named Patrick. Like, that's not a name. Like, in the royal family, there are lots of Williams and Henrys and Edwards and Andrews. Like, names get recycled in the British royal family. I don't know any Patricks. So I thought they made this shit up. So I Googled it. (laughs) It turns out it's real. Well, what do you know? Maybe they need to for a dog. I'm sorry, but the Queen's Corgis have way nicer names than Patrick. <laughs> no, I, I'm going to get a Corgi. I'm going to name it Sir Patrick. That's so pissy on. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if it is Sir Patrick Stewart. Maybe that's what it's named after. It's not a prince, though. Who gives a fuck? Then it's Prince Patrick Island. Yeah, it's a prince. Um, and then, this is my favorite note, um, wow, this PR guy is slick as the oil he's selling. <laughs> Super slick. Yeah, he was real good at his job. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Especially late in a later scene when we see him explain about every crisis he could avoid, and I'm like, that's some this, fucked up this shit. This note was when he was trying to explain why it was generous of the oil company to have a biology department. Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah, like, we make so much money on oil and on geology that we're able to give them the money to do whatever they want, and if their research doesn't make us money, well, that's okay. It's like... And I was like, like... Thank you, Mr. Oil Mogul. You are lying through your teeth, teeth right yeah. now. But yeah... Um, so then we find out that the only other doctor involved in the scientific project that, um, the dead doctor was working on was this chick who's in the hospital. Now, my problem with this, and we talked about this when we watched it, Mm -hmm. 
The automobile accident was several weeks ago. And this bitch be looking dirty. Now, And also the framing of this fucking scene sucks ass. Yeah. Yeah. But now, um, to our lovely listeners and or viewers, I've never been in the hospital for an extended period of time. Yeah, me neither. I've actually never even been in the hospital overnight. Same. So I don't know this for a fact. But my question to you is, if you have been in the hospital for an extended period of time, can you please tell me if they left the dirt on your face for the whole time? And, like, maybe it is a bruise and the makeup department just said Either the makeup department is so bad or this woman was dirty. Well, I mean, and also the bottom of her feet. The bottom of her feet were also dirty. If you're in a car accident and you have a broken foot and your foot's in a sling and you haven't walked on it in several weeks. Yeah. How is the bottom of your foot that dirty? Yeah. It's kind of yucky. Not gonna lie. And then we also get some of the worst fucking acting I think I've seen in this series. We're not even there yet, though. Oh, that's true. I, I just, that's because Katz Miller said when her accident was, and it confirmed everything I was mad about. Yeah. Um, so, Tony. Tony. My next note's about Tony, but Carl goes back to the office mm-hmm. to tell Tony about the coroner's report and everything, and Tony is mad. Wait, no, no, no. The, yeah, oh, yes, about, okay. Tony is mad because another newspaper already printed everything that Carl thinks is big news. Um, and then Ron comes in the office, and Tony, or and Carl and Ron are fighting about parking spaces and phone calls. And they have this weird close-up of Tony's face laughing mm-hmm. while Ron and Carl are fighting. Yeah. And I literally, my note says, Tony laughs at Carl and Ron like a grandpa watching his grandkids fight about stupid shit. Oh, for sure. Like, it just was, (laughs) like, I don't know, I don't know, maybe somebody, like, complained and was like, you're making Vincenzo not likable anymore. Fix it. Because he is, like, extra, like, gregarious this episode. Oh, yeah. It's like, he might as well have been Santa Claus. With a sense of humor. So then... Kolchak goes to the hospital to see the doctor lady, and her doctor will not let him in to the hospital, so he decides to get a plant from this old lady and carry it in to the room, and it is some Michael Scott shit. Oh, yeah. Ron Updike was the most conflicting character. No, he is the Toby Flanders of that office. Oh my god, he really is. <clears throat> he's just doing everything that he's supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. and yet he's still the most annoying person in the entire office. Yeah. He's the Toby, he's the Toby Flanders of INS. I don't see Michael Scott. Michael Scott did not see Helen Lynch. She is not. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that means that Tony would definitely be David Wallace. Yeah. And that, oh my gosh, uh, what'd you call it? Be Phyllis. That is no concern of mine. I only can say that. Who's Emily Woodby Phyllis? Who's Emily Woodby Phyllis? 
Especially with how much Polshek doesn't like Ron, he's 100% Ron is Oh, no, that's not what I'm like. That's just... Oh, Polshak. Deadass using a plant. He has... He is literally pretending to help an old lady just to sneak into the hospital. If that doesn't scream Michael Scott energy, I don't know what does. That's very true. Now, aside from... Kolshak being a precursor to the office. Yeah. My only other note about that scene was that that old lady looked exactly like my great grandmother. <laughs> May she rest in peace. <laughs> what the fuck? Literally, like my great grandma who died, though, whose house we've been cleaning out, that she looked like no, that old wait. lady. Maybe that's your great grandmother. No. <laughs> it's not. But. but also, in the scene... Because in 1975, she was too busy trying to write letters to the president to get my grandpa sent home from Vietnam for his sister's wedding. Oh my god. I wish I was making that up. She's my great-grandmother literally wrote a letter to the president to have my grandpa flown home from Vietnam for his sister's wedding. Which obviously did not, not happen. happen. Yeah, but, wow. So no, she didn't have time to be acting in an episode of Cold Shack. Well, maybe at this point she gave up her efforts. Actually, it was probably earlier than that that she wrote the letter. I don't know what year my grandpa's sister got married in. Um, but we had um, some... Now here's where we get to the shit at class acting. I, I, I hate to say that because I don't want to be mean. Because like, well, she was trying. But at the same time... First of all, time, they framed bad. this scene in a way that did not make sense. The camera was terrible, and it was a close-up of bottom of her dirty foot. Now, mind you, anytime we're going to come back to this room, this scene, we are going to get the same damn angle of her laying in bed, a rope in between two people, and her stanky-ass foot just chilling there at the bottom of the screen. I really don't like the close-up of her dirty foot. Yeah. Also, if you're in a hospital and your foot is in a sling, how is the bottom of your foot that dirty? Yeah, normally they have that shit they like cleaning. Her nurse needs to be fired. Yeah. 100%. I don't like that it's still in the shot, too. Like, it doesn't need to be there. Take a different angle. I'm so uncomfortable. Lower the sling a bit. Literally just change the angle of the camera. Yeah. Also, this is not good, like, framing for the scene anyway. You have a string coming down the... And a toe! And then a big toe. A dirty big toe. It's so distracting, I don't know what they're talking about. Me neither. Yeah. It's a terribly framed shot. I don't know. And they stuck with it for it's, so long. It's, it's like they're like, we're really putting her foot up. She's not just laying in bed faking it. I'm like, put her fucking foot down. No one gives a shit. Well, if we saw her foot up when Kolchak came in the room, mm -hmm. and then we got an angle, like, slightly above her foot at mm -hmm. their faces... It would still, I'd still know that her foot was up. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And then she's explaining to Kolchak why she has no idea how her partner died and how he was genuinely just, like, the nicest man and none of the science that they were working on should have gotten anybody angry and, like, that there's really absolutely no reason that he should have died. Now, 
I believed the dialogue. Props to the writers, because the dialogue made sense. It, like, because all of that was true. Mm -hmm. She really wouldn't have known. He, like, nothing that they did should have. The problem is, she acted it in a way where I thought that she was lying and knew yeah. more, but then plot-wise, we find out that she definitely didn't know, know more. more. Mm -hmm. And it just was... Because she didn't even know that the... Uh, the freezer had right. She didn't off. even know that the freezer had turned off. Like not, she had there. She couldn't have been lying to Carl in that moment. Mm -hmm. But every subtext of her acting was, "I'm telling you whatever I have to, so that you don't think I'm behind this." Yeah, it just felt so wrong. Yeah, it was. It was. It was not good. And then, like her face was also like. Then Kolchak obviously gets caught and has to get something to kicked out of the room. And, um, her face, you can't tell if she feels sorry for him or is like, ha-ha, motherfucker. Right, like, like, I just, I just... I was like, what the fuck is that face? It just pissed me off. I, yeah, I felt so bad being so judgmental, but it's like, usually I don't get mad about the overacting from the 70s, like, yeah. the style of overacting. But it's when you are because, telling three different fucking stories with one scene right. because you don't know what your voice is saying, your mouth is saying, and then what your face is saying. It's like... Because the thing is, the 70s, yes, there was overacting in the 70s. Oh, 100%. 99% of the show is overacting. is overacting. But at least the character motivation mm -hmm. matches, and they're just two steps ahead yeah. of where they should be. Yeah. This girl was on a different, like, sidewalk than she was supposed to be on. Yeah. Like, I don't know what was going on. Yeah. Um, and then we go to our next murder victim who is dressed like Mark Wahlberg in Boogie mm -hmm. Nights. It is the best uh, 70s outfit I've ever seen. And I will gladly let men bring this fucking shit back Because to style. his butt looked so good. Listen, I'm not a huge fan of the 70s style. Like, I tell Monica all the time, every time she wants to dress like it's the 70s, that those colors, terrible. Not a fan. Not a fan. They're dope. But if men want to wear pants that make their butts look like that, I know. Like, I'm encouraging all men to go out and buy one pair of bell-bottom jeans so you can just marvel at how gorgeous your ass will look. Like, trust me, you'll love it. Go buy some. Then I'd be the corduroy. And if you're a baseball player who wants to wear bell-bottoms, do it. Oh, God. Let's, let's start a movement. You boys in bell-bottoms. Baseball butts and bell bottoms. That's going to be our organization. Baseball <laughs> butts and bell bottoms. If you would like to make a donation. <laughs> if you would like to donate one pant leg per boy per baseball butt and bell bottoms. <laughs> oh, God. But. But. <laughs> oh, my God. We can call them bell bottom butts. See, but then we take baseball out. But it doesn't necessarily have to be baseball. So, I really like baseball players' butts. Yes, but there are also some dudes that don't play baseball that have, like, voluptuous booties. That's true. That's true. So, bell-bottom butt. Um, the really cool thing about this scene was not this man's ass. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually one of what I think is probably my favorite, like, visual gimmick mm -hmm. that the show has done at all so far. Yeah. And it was that, um, our hot Mark Wahlberg fake man, um, what was his name? Ronald... Gurney. Gurney. I only remember that. Oh, Robert. No, Robert. Robert Gurney. Robert Gurney. Gurney died. Haha. <laughs> Funny. Anyway. Robert Gurney, he is 
drinking a glass of scotch, mm -hmm. watching a vintage horror movie on TV. Mm -hmm. But then parallel to the horror movie, the monster's coming in and behind him. It was so like, well done. Like, through the fucking window, too. Like, as, like, I think he was actually watching, which is funny, he was watching Wolfman. Yeah, he was watching Wolfman, and the Wolfman jumps through the window at this girl, and mm -hmm. then at the same time as the Wolfman jumps through the window, she, the, uh, the ape, ape thing, thing, jumps through the window at him, and mm -hmm. then it ends in that same freeze frame from the first murder. It was... It was a very cool so stylistic good. choice. Pretty dope. Um, thank you, Mr. Robert Shearer. Actually, probably whoever your cinematographer was. Yeah. I will, um, I will look them up and credit them. Who is the cinematographer of this episode? I don't know. Yo mama! Probably not, because she was, um, seven years old. Ah. My <laughs> universe was... Okay. I was going to continue, but I decided to drink water instead of continuing. I'm glad. I think that was a good call. <laughs> Very good call. Um, cinematography. Cinematography by Ronald W. Brown is the director of photographer, photograph, photography. There you go. And then Robert M. Leeds and Anthony Redman were the film editors. So, um, thank you. Thank you for knowing what the fuck is up. Um, so then... Kolchak misses this murder because he's still in Springfield. And I wrote a note but forgot to look it up. I don't know how far away Springfield is Yeah, I had Chicago. no fucking clue. Um, Springfield is the capital of Illinois, in case anyone didn't know that. Um, Springwood is where Freddy Krueger would terrorize all the children of Elm Street. Oh, it's only two and a half hours. That's not bad. I mean... It is still kind of bad. Why the F was that girl two and a half hours away from home to be in the hospital? Oh, no, no, no. That was not giving me Springfield, Illinois. That was giving me Springfield, Chicago, or Springfield, Ohio. Springfield, Illinois is three hours. So, okay, just as bad. I don't know. That is a poor choice. They just were like, we know another name of a city in Chicago. Let's use it. That's probably what the motivation of that was for. Probably. Um, and then my note says Ron's jokes are terrible. Yes, this is when we had the... This is when Ron was at the scene of the crime for Kolchak. Oh, and Because said, Kolchak was in Springfield, and he... He's like, I'm 18, you don't need any bananas. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, he was making jokes about wooden bananas and gorillas and... Um, Kolchak not being there on time and all of it. It was just, but none of his jokes were funny. It was like watching a really shitty ventriloquist. Because Ron gives me, like, vibes of the doll from Night of the Living Dead. That's what he looks like. Personified. So it's, it's just like a really shitty ventriloquist who's trying to be funny. Uh, okay. I really don't know where I was going with that. I thought it would have been funnier because I thought you could, like, see the slappy similarities between them. Damn. Slappy has more personality than Ron. They're trying to give Ron personality again, and it's not fucking working. Then, Kojic goes into the apartment and finds the landlady, who is the sassiest old lady in the world, and she is telling him everything that happened. And this woman. Is there my favorite fucking part? 
this woman was like, well, listen, the police said it was a gorilla. But I've watched some nature shows, and that's not what a gorilla looks like. But if the, the police, police said, said it was, was a gorilla, then it was a gorilla. Then she goes, well, they shot it. They should know what it is. And I was like, oh, you would only think. You would only. Anyway. Um, she's just really sassy. She's really sassy, and she is saying everything that um, she could not get away with saying. No. In 2021. At all. Mm-mm. Also, she was complaining about the fabric of the curtains as if that had something to do with the crime, and I don't really know why. Shafam, <laughs> oh, what the fuck's this bullshit? Oh, then a dead body. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, um, I would be offended by chiffon curtains, too. I don't like this, the, the feel of, like, the chiffon rubbing up against each other. But what? First of all, is this chiffon where it's, like, that almost, like, see-through, like, almost yeah. silky? Yeah, I don't like it when it rubs against each other, and I don't like feeling that. Or hearing it, it's not But as I say, hearing it is a different story. Feeling it, why are you rubbing your curtains? You, you mean to tell me you don't stand there and rub your curtains? No. <laughs> I most definitely do not. <laughs> yeah, I don't like rubbing up against, like, it's like, move, like having to move them. And, like, if you grab, like, a panel together, like, two pieces of fabric touch overlap, and then you have to end, end up moving your curtain back. To open it, that feeling, it just, mm, see, I just don't like gauzy curtains because I don't think that they make sense. Like, no, if, I, I, if I'm going to have a curtain, I want it to be a, a, see, I a have, heavy material. In my room, I have the window stickers that make it look like a rainbow, so it's a privacy thing, so it looks like it's... No, 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 but I'm not, no, I'm not talking about blinds but or also, privacy stickers or anything. But I also have a gauzy type of thing in front of it for aesthetic reasons, not for privacy reasons, that's why I have the glass thing. But that doesn't help with light. No, it doesn't. I, I well, I have to. I should say I have two. I have the chiffon one that I keep open during the day, and then I have the um, thicker covered ones that actually dim the light if I wanted to. Go See, out I just that's just is too much happening on your window. You just need if you want some kind of sheer like blinds or something. Fine, if you want to do one of those weird stickers. Hopefully your glass is cheap, mm -hmm. because, like, none of the glass in this house could we do that, because this glass is not cheap. Um, but curtains should not be see-through or light material. They should be light-blocking and... No, that makes, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. I really like how I went it, off on a tangent about curtains. Mom and I spent 20 minutes yesterday discussing why... It doesn't make sense for people to have sinks up against walls that don't have windows. Wait, so you're saying the sink should be in f below the window? Yes. If you're washing dishes, you should be able to see something. You should not be staring at a fucking blank wall. It's either got to be in some kind of, like, island where you're looking out into the room mm -hmm. or at a window. Uh, yeah, ours isn't. Yeah, mine isn't either, but we're, neither of us are happy about that. True. So with that, we're curtain debacle out of the way. Um, so the only thing that was really important about the guy who died and the gorilla situation was that the guy, um, Kolchak was very convinced that it was related because his leg got ripped off. Yeah. And so he was trying to figure out how it was related, and the police officer was like, uh, no, he doesn't work for the oil company. He works for Macy's. 
making wedding photography. And I just want to know who goes to a department store to get their wedding photography done. Like I said yesterday, I, uh, me and my boyfriend, if he ever decides to marry me for some weird reason, we're going to go get wedding pictures done at Sears. And then he, then he said, here's the problem. If you can find one that's open. You are absolutely not going to do that. Yeah. You say that as a joke, but your opinionated, bougie ass would never. No, I wouldn't. I would, I, I would literally go do, like, gimmick ones for just yeah. shits and gigs, not make my serious wedding pictures yes. be that. No, I would go and go there, wear my dress, and just take some stupid fucking pictures just to have them, but no, 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 not whole wedding thing photo relying on fucking Macy's department store, no, thank you. So, Kolchak goes back to see Mr. Kitzmiller to figure out what's going on. Um, and he's not there. And there's this very weird scene with his secretary that has pretty confidently nothing yeah. to do with the plot. Zero. You learn nothing and no developments are made. But the only thing we do learn is that this bitch tall as shit. Yeah. She big. Only not really. She just looked it. I mean, the thing is, she has, she is taller than the average woman, but we learned that she's... She's 5'10". Yeah, which is... And so is Darren McGavin, but she was wearing heels. She just looked a lot she taller. She so much bigger than him. I don't know if part of that was also the camera mm -hmm. angle, but it was... That is a tall woman. I was just going to say that. How tall is Darren McGavin? I was going to say, well, Darren McGavin's kind of tiny. Yes, well, that's what bothers me. You see some of our biggest headaches come from vice president. He's 5'10". So he's not tall, but he's not short but either. Compared to, she has to be like 5'11". <coughs> no, that was more like a solid 6 foot. She was at least two to three inches taller than Unless I. she was wearing heels that made her a lot taller than that. That's true. She could have been. That was tall. All right. Time to figure out who she is and why she's so tall. <laughs> so. That. Nope, that's the police officer again. Just kidding. I thought there was like some weird moss thing on the whole room. I was like, oh wait, no, it's outside. It's just broken. Okay. She's also 5'10", so she must have just been wearing heels. Oh, so then Kolchak goes back to the laboratory, because he's still investigating, and um, there is broken windows at the lab, and the homicide detective is still there, and um, Kolchak is like, if it's really an ape, um... Why are you still investigating? Yeah. And uh, the cop gets sassy and kicks him out. He's kind of like, oh, you know, and just for the experience, then kicks him out. No, he said something that basically was like trying to make a dig at Kolshak, but yeah. I don't remember what it was. Um, so then we're headed toward the next murder incident, and we see a close-up 
of the eight man mask, and it's actually really good. Yeah, like I we had a very hairy character again. Mm-hmm. My thing is how the fuck they make this look so goddamn good, but then make the wolf man look like here's a why. coochie. Here's why. Because the fur on the body of the Wolfman was never the problem. The only time that we actually had problems with the Wolfman was the face. And this mask was an ape-like mask, which is much more human-like. So you're able to do it with just a little bit of prosthetic, not the fur. That's how you do a Wolfman. It's like you're doing a gradient because all on the Wolfman Yes, but I'm saying it's a much different process. True. And it's easier to make something look sort of ape-like with makeup mm-hmm. without a lot of extra stuff. True. So. And then on the other one, they were just like, yeah, let's go to the barber shop, get some hair clippings, and glue it on your fucking face, and you're ready to go. I don't know. Um, I still hate that makeup so fucking so much. So then we have another attack. And um, the animal man thing gets away, and the police are the homicide guy, detective guy, is yelling at the police, who um, said something that was actually very true. Mm-hmm. And that is that you cannot just loosely tranquilize an animal that size. Yeah. True. That's why you don't tranquilize. <laughs> you don't train gorillas because it doesn't knock them out it just pisses them off I, I mean yeah that would make sense well like that's really why like truthfully the reason that they shot Harambe and like they didn't just like tranquilize him which everybody was freaking out about was because in that situation first of all what the gorilla thought he was doing was protecting the kid but size difference and the kid being afraid that that didn't work but if they had tranked him, it wouldn't have kicked in fast enough, and it would have just kicked his adrenaline up, and he would have killed the kid on accident in that heightened state of adrenaline. So they, since they couldn't safely get the kid out, they had to shoot him. <clears throat> Believe me, I know the keepers did not make that choice. Like, <clears throat> the world went to shit when Harambe died. I cried. I also, you know, worked at a zoo at the time, and let me tell you how many people had real dumb questions. Every time, like, working the gorilla exhibit after that week, I can't imagine that being super fun. They're like, what would you do? It's like, fuck, fucking up. Not my job. So, Kolchak is talking to these um, police officers, and, uh, he's asking questions, and the detective is apparently not a fan of his questions, so he, uh, steps on Kolchak's camera. Yeah. And then Kolchak, they, now the scene continues as if it's still one scene, but it's Mm -hmm. really not. They're now back at the police station, and Kolchak is still yelling at the detective, and he says what might be my favorite line ever, and that is, you threw my camera on the ground and danced the fungi chicken all over it. <laughs> um, but he just, he is on some shit. He is so mad about his camera being broken that he is just saying some of the most ridiculous things yeah. I've ever heard. He's like literally doing the thing where you th- like throw pasta at a wall and hope it sticks. 
Yeah, that's what he's doing with insults right now. <laughs> um, but then he does what I think is his number one flaw of all time ever, mm -hmm. and that is he tells the police officer what he thinks is actually going on. Yeah. And I think at this point, Kolchak should have learned that we don't tell the police. Yeah. Clearly. Because anytime they there don't, has been something. Yeah, they're either part of the cover-up or they think you're crazy. Exactly. So just don't. Um, and then Kolchak breaks into the police officer's office, steals some photographs, and hides them potentially in his hat. Yeah, I aren't sure where exactly where he put the photos, because but he, he was touched his hat a He lot. goes to put them in his jacket and then decides not to, but then we, the camera goes away from him. Mm -hmm. Then the homicide detective is giving him a pat down to try to figure out if he has stolen anything and mm -hmm. doesn't find anything. And then he walks down the hallway and he goes to adjust his hat the way he always does, but he only sort of adjusts it and then he drops his hand and walks around the corner. Mm -hmm. So I think... It was in his hat. Yeah. But we have no proof. Um, and then, apparently, he just takes another drive to Springfield. Can you just, like, casually just driving three and a half hours away just for funsies? It's not like it's, like, going from here to Rock, like, from here to Buffalo. But that's, anyone going from here to Buffalo every few days is a bitch. I'm, I'm kidding. Well, it's like, I work... I know, you work in Buffalo. I drive to Buffalo for work every day. But it, it's making it seem <laughs> like it's that I, Oh, and I did it for high school, too. I didn't. I went to high school in yeah. Buffalo. They're making it look like... But I will tell you, there are people like in Buffalo who think that driving to Niagara Falls is that big of a deal. I have people in my high school who had never seen the falls. How? Because it was so far to drive, and you have to go over the bridge. What did they fucking do? Right? I mean, if you don't want to drive the bridge, let me go through Tonawanda. I mean, but that adds, adds 10 minutes. <laughs> we have a 20-minute fucking car ride. I know. Jesus. Um, so then, he goes to the hospital, and at the hospital, Kitzmiller and these two scientists that he picked up at the hospital... Oh, the secretary's on the phone with the one scientist, mm -hmm. and those are the two scientists who end up being at the hospital. That's yeah. the only connection. So the two scientists are at the hospital talking to Dr. Helen, explaining everything that's going on, and the um, and Kitz Miller is there, and he's trying to come up with the story, like how they're going to spin it. And um, my note says the actual scientist versus the PR guy is my favorite, like annoying trope, like mm -hmm. because the scientists are just like doing what's right for the world and for science, and the PR guy is like the sleaze ball who's mm -hmm. like. No, let's just spin it how we want to spin it. But, like, also, that is um, not how the world works, and um, not every scientist um, has pure intentions purely because they're a scientist. Like, yeah. that, that is my favorite of, like, giving jobs moral indication. Yeah. Like, police officer, always a bad guy. Mm hmm Journalist, always a good guy. Mm-hmm. Like, no, like, yeah. the the moral equivalencies to jobs in, like, tropey TV shows, just, yeah. like, I wonder, is a baker going to be the good guy or the bad guy? Yeah, I think the baker will be the bad guy, but the florist is going to be the good guy. Um, so then, Kolchak's back in his office, and Tony, for once, is gleeful 
and like super happy. And it's like, like proud. So he's like I'm like almost like a proud father. He's moment. like he's like I always knew you were a good reporter. Maybe they're gonna put us on TV. And trust me, let let it not be that. Not only are we like what the fuck about this because Tony normally doesn't do this. Also, Kolchak is like, why the fuck are you complimenting me? You literally never do that. And I uh, discovered, I wasn't 100% sure the first time, but I discovered the second time watching it that the reason is there's proof. Kolchak mm-hmm. um, has the pictures that he stole from the police office, and he has a tape of, every, of the conversation that he recorded at the hospital, which he could not have recorded. Yeah. Um, I figured that, we were sitting there, I was watching it, and I was like, this motherfucker, you mean to tell me on a 1975 uh, tape recorder, through a closed hospital door, under a blanket, is going to pick up the word that these motherfuckers are basically whispering in the room next door? No way in fucking hell is that happening. Yeah. So, um, but, theoretically, he has the sound recording mm-hmm. and these pictures, so there's actually proof. They put the story on the wire, they're so excited, Tony is, like, thinking about the newspaper getting money and him and Carl being on TV and it's and like all like, what the fuck are you it's like about? all of his journalistic wet dreams are coming true at once. Yeah. And um, then they get back on the wire, cancel the story. Yeah. And um, then Ron fucking tries to be Ronald Adam Sandler again. Dumbass Updike. It's like, oh, didn't you guys hear? The reason they're canceling the story is because uh, there was a truck full of zoo animals that escaped. He's like, there was two gorillas. He said there was two apes, s- some two African givens, a Malay, two, um, um, some, a pair of Malayan tigers, something, and a pie cost. Tony says, what's a pie cost? And this motherfucker... Says, 89 goddamn fucking cents. First of all, in what universe does a pie cost 89 cents? Because if a pie costs 89 cents, I'm eating only pie. But here's how I knew that this was bullshit. There's no such thing as an African gibbon, and I'm super angry about it. <laughs> like, literally, as soon as he said that, the first time we watched it, I looked at Monica, I said, that's not real. And then she looked it up, she's like, yeah, no, that's definitely not real. I was like, I was not wrong. Gibbons are only native to Asia. They are a type of ape that does not exist in Africa. Just like there are no gorillas in Asia, there are no gibbons or orangutans in Africa. Nice. And I realize that that probably makes me one of the most annoying people in the world, that those are the things that I get angry about. <laughs> but... There are no African Gibbons. So his story was fabricated from the start. He just wanted to pull a quick one on them. But he gets his comeuppance because he tried to get Carl's car towed, and while Ron wasn't looking, Carl switched their cars, and Ron gets his own car towed. Mm Mm-hmm. Then we go to this clip. Of the next murder, this girl is walking down the street, and there's some stupid narration about her party being over. And then, for some reason, when we're supposed to have the freeze frame of the murder, we don't. And this man really slams this chick on the ground, and I don't know where the freeze frame was. Also, I really love the way that he ran into frame, because he looked like how I look when I'm about to go tear up some shredded cheese in my kitchen at 3 a.m. 
He's like, Boom. I didn't really care He's about how he was go. running. I just couldn't figure out why they, of the two murders that were men, they did these really beautiful freeze, freeze frames to not show the violence. And then mm. the one murder that is not only a woman, it is a black, black woman. woman. Like, yeah, they take her fucking death. They her on the ground. I was like. The audacity, sir. <laughs> They're just like, ah, take her down. Have fun with it. What? Then Carl needs more information about this eighth man. So he goes to the local public high school to talk to the biology teacher, Mr. Jack Burton, a.k.a. me. Mm-hmm. Because literally that man was me. The way he handled the children, the way the way he talked about the kids, the way he talked about wanting to go on vacation, the way he talked about the science, like literally that was me. I was like, yeah. His character was really funny. He had a lot of good one-liners, and he was always so he's already pissed off because all his other scientist friends are getting picked up. It's like the bitterness is unbelievable. Um, and then I said that Bones Burton is my one true love. Yeah. Basically, he's like, I spent all this money on artifacts, and I want to teach these kids science so bad, and you know what they call me behind my back? Bones Burton. That's what I get for trying. (laughs) He's, like, talking about how frustrated he is and, like, how loud and annoying high school kids are, and then he goes, I can't believe it's only November. (laughs) It's like, he's literally me. Oh, God. Um... So basically, they find out, or they, in conversation, Bones and Kolsha, mm-hmm. um, determine that this is some kind of animal that is um, somewhere between an ape and a person. It's probably closer to the Homo erectus. It is not part of, it's not really an ape, it's just not, but we don't really have anything to compare it to because we have no understanding of the genetic material that was frozen in Antarctica. But as Ross Geller would have said, he is not fully erect. Yeah, but this guy was. What? I mean, no, he... <laughs> I'm not talking about penises. <laughs> I'm just trying to make a funny paleontology joke and a dick joke, and I don't think it landed that well. Also, paleontologists study dinosaurs. Yeah, and apparently cavemen, though, because Ross Geller knew a little too much about cavemen. Um, but also his doctor dissertation. What is paleontology the study of? Big boy According bones. to American Museum of Natural History, paleontology is the study of ancient life, from dinosaurs to prehistoric plants, mammals, fish, insects, fungi, and even microbes. <laughs> you can say that Ross Geller is a pretty fun guy. Um, okay, These so really Ross, <laughs> Ross might have known about Caitlin. Fine. <laughs> um, but they find out that, like other cavemen, this thing would be living in the caves, and um, Carl is not thrilled about that fact. Because apparently there's these long underground caves underneath an old not stadium. E- I don't even know if, I mean, the thing is he figured out, figures out that they're in the tunnel under what used to be the stadium because of the radius of where the murders have taken place. But I think his first thought is probably a flashback to the last two times he had to climb in the sewers. Yeah. Coach just really loved them sewers. Um, but before he goes to climb in the sewers, he decides to take one last look at the lab. Mm-hmm. That's the most shit escape I've ever seen. Okay, before the escape, 
So at the lab, they find this, he finds this, like, dish, like... It's like a, well, it looks like a pot. Yeah. And it has, like, this fluid in it that's kind of murky, but it just looks like there's a, like, you could tell they probably just put a raw chicken in there, and it's supposed to be, like, this embryo thing that, uh, that they were talking about, all these... The cells growing cells into growing. whatever, but it, like, straight up looks like raw chicken in bath water. <laughs> Yo, raw chicken selling their bathwater online. Get it? Is that an embryo? A baby? I thought it's some some fetus. Fetus. <laughs> and then we have the least believable escape in the history of escapes. Oh my! Kolchak looked like a little kid who got caught like sneaking out of bed in the middle of the night to go like watch TV when his parents were sitting there, and his parents turned over and definitely saw him. But you know, the kid thought he was being smooth and ran right back to bed. It was so bad. That was basically the equivalent of this whole escape scene that Kolchak had. Yeah. So then he goes right from there to the. Sheller. The tunnels. The tunnels. Not cellar. Tunnels, yeah. And he's looking for the ape thing. Yeah. And this is where we... And he has these flares, like road flares that he's throwing down there to illuminate the area. And this is where I got really excited because on the DVD, basically the whole scene that we saw down in the tunnels is, a, is like the same like promo pictures that they use yeah that when we when we first announced that we were doing coal shack the images that i used were from this episode yeah Um, i was like oh my god that's from that oh my god that's on the main cover i was just i got stupid excited for it for no reason yeah like the picture of him holding the flare Mm -hmm. and the flashlight up Mm -hmm. and then the picture of him laying on On the the, ground the tunnel with the flares and the flashlights yeah those were from that scene Mm -hmm. um but uh then Honestly, the end was kind of anticlimactic. It wasn't Basically, great. Basically, caveman's choking out Shack. His vision goes hazy with all the fucking government coming but in. But I will say, the police officers coming around the corner was, was actually cool. the scariest thing in the show so far. Yeah, that was really creepy because, like, you were seeing it, it from You were seeing it from Kolshak's point of view, so his vision is starting to go. He's starting to black out. So it's in, like, slow motion, and it's really red. And it just was, like, not... It was and definitely... Then, I was, like, if they would have, like... None of the villains have been as scary as this scene of the police officers coming around the corner. And also, because there's also that fact of, if you're Kolchak, none of them looked like they were coming to help him. It looked no. like they were simply, like, there to only get this caveman guy. Yeah. And, um, so Kolchak probably was like, fuck, I'm really gonna die right now. And, but he didn't. But he immediately started recording this whole story from laying on the tunnel floor. Yeah. That's where we end the episode, and that's where we picked up on. Now, one other thing that I wanted to do in this episode, because we haven't done it yet, is we haven't talked about the music in the show at all yet. Oh, Not yeah. really. And this episode had some really, really good incidental music. This one and not... Well, Ring was all right. Um, this one and the one before last week's. The Energy? No. Horror in the Heights. Oh, Horror in the Heights, yes. That had really good... Um, like, ambiance yeah, type the, of music. The incidental music? Yeah. So, um, I did look it up, and but I forgot to write it down, so I'm going to have to pull it up again, um, which is fine, because I'm going to have to pull up the trivia also. But, so, the theme song of Kolshak was written by a man named... 
Gil Mele. He uh, wrote the theme song, um, and he is credited for seven episodes, but from what I read, he actually left after the fourth episode, and he's just credited because they used recycled music that he had written earlier, later. Okay. Um, but he decided that the theme of the show was not dark enough. He didn't mm. like it as much. He didn't like the direction it went, which... From the movies to the TV show, we also said that it switched yeah. directions a lot. And truthfully, Darren McGavin decided it switched directions a lot, and that's ultimately what killed the show. Yeah. But, so this guy from the beginning was like, yeah, this is going in a place I do not want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so Jerry Fielding is the composer who came in after that, and he... Um, wrote the music for this episode, which was really good. But, like, he composed music for Escape from Alcatraz, from um, some of the Star Trek movies, from the Outlaw Josie Wales, the Clint Eastwood movie. And so I just wanted to give some props to him because, like, that was... That was good music. It was really good music this episode. I appreciated it a lot. Shout out to our... Composer friends out there as well. Because yeah, because I don't get enough love. No, they really don't get enough love. And the thing is, I would love to actually go deep into like the psychology of film music. Mm-hmm. I think it's fascinating. Oh yeah. I just don't think I am like well, qualified yeah, like, well, to be the enough. person. Maybe we'll do that sometime. I have a friend. Um, one of my best friends is a uh, music teacher. Mm-hmm. And so maybe we'll have an episode sometime in the future with something that, like, is just really good and we'll have her come on and, like, mm-hmm. talk about the music. I don't know. Thoughts for the future. Food for thought. Food for thought. One day this podcast will make sense. Oh, yeah. Um, so, goofs. Factual error. Carl makes a joke about drilling so far north that penguins would need thermal underwear. Penguins only live in the southern hemisphere. Truthfully, I did not catch that joke, or I would have complained. Me neither. Um. Revealing mistake. The side of meat, so the second murder victim, no, the third murder victim is Mm -hmm. carrying butcher's meat. The side of meat is a lightweight fake, although the actor strives to make it appear heavy. (laughs) Continuity. Carl's camera flash is barely discernible in shooting the ape man in the alley towards the camera, but later it's quite bright as it shoots downward at the contents of the canister in a lab. Yeah. That is not a continuity error. That's something That's a different camera. Yeah. Because the police officer stepped on his camera. Yeah. Wrong, IMDb. Um, IMDb sometimes lacks with their uh, trivia. I'm thumbs downing that. (laughs) Crew or equipment visible. At approximately 35.45, when Kolchak enters the biology school room, the crew's hand is visible opening the door at the far right edge. I didn't see that. Good for them. Um... Factual error. The large world map on Kitzmiller's wall is very accurate except for one bizarre error. There is an enormous contiguous landmass connected to the northern part of Canada that doesn't exist. 
For some reason, all of the numerous islands that make up the Northwest Territories were conglomerated into one large mass that looks very out of place for the Arctic North. That's probably what I was confused That's probably, well, because it's, the thing is, it's the northern part of Canada, the, like, you've seen how it, like, oh, yeah. it, like, it looks like, like, splatter. Mm-hmm. What they did is they just took all that splatter and made it one, one thing. thing. yeah. So it's, like, the outline of Canada instead of the actual island. But the thing, it was weird because he had counties, uh, counties, he had, um, I don't know what they're called in Canada. Provinces? Provinces and states outlined on the map, but then it kind of just... But it, 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 but it wouldn't, block. no, because that, that is all part of the same province in Canada. It's the Northwest uh, Territories. It's just that the farther north you get, the less land mass you have, and it's more islands. So basically what they did was it was the outline of all of the islands of the Northwest Territories instead of outlines of islands. So it's, uh, it's factually incorrect in a bizarre way, but also not. not yeah. It just, but the things it just makes it, it look did, it, weird. it looked off, but also, like I said, the focus of the map being that far north oh, yeah. also looks off. Yeah. Um, trivia. The murder of Robert Gurney is preceded by a television screening featuring Lon Chaney and the Mummy's Ghost. That's the movie that we was watching. Oh, it wasn't the... Uh, no, it wasn't the, Wolfman, it was, it was Mummy. Mummy's Ghost. At the beginning, Kolchak stated the Manhattan Project took, very cl- took place very close to here. Kolchak is referring to the University of Chicago Metallurgy Laboratory in MetLab, the theoretical research on plutonium for the Manhattan Project in the 1940s, which was conducted in Chicago, Illinois area, not to be confused with the work done on the Manhattan Project Laboratory in Los Alamos, New Mexico. So the reason those tunnels are there, they said that the thing doesn't exist anymore, but that's the first place that they ever tested the nuclear weapons, which is not entirely accurate. It's the first place that they tested the chemical compounds for the nuclear weapons, but mm-hmm. the place where they tested the bombs mm-hmm. in New Mexico, that is actually the first place they tested the bomb. It's all still part of the Manhattan Project, but... Yeah. Um, the meta... The metal... I can't say this word. The metallurgical laboratory at the University of Chicago was instrumental in the development of the atomic bombs that were used in World War II. The world's first controlled nuclear chain reaction took place there just before World War II. Very cool. Yeah. Thomas Kitzmiller, Pat Harrington Jr., states that in, his, that in his role as Vice President of Public Relations, he can deal with gas prices going up to $5 a gallon. I was hoping the trivia would say something yeah. about what this actually was. Okay. In 1975, the year that this aired, the average gas price was $0.57 cents per gallon. $5 per gallon is nearly nine times the price. So right now I'm paying $30 for gas. It's n- no, no, no. Of the, it's nine times the price of it. Like, if it would have gone up nine times. That's and what I'm saying. Said, but, like, in our day and age, and so I'm paying, no, no, it, no. it takes $30 for me to get, um. No, 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 no. Oh, no, I'm. It, it's saying that that would have been a, a 900% increase in prices. Okay. So, like, nine times the prices, like, it, they, it's saying if, if the price had gone up from 57 cents to $5, that would have been a 900% increase, and he was okay with the spin on that. But what I'm saying but, is... no, like, that, that has nothing to do with what the price is now. No, 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 I know that, but I'm saying, like, if we look at it, if our, my $30 gas, like, tank to fill it up was 57 cents, like, but... Let's say the fifty-seven cents is equivalent to thirty dollars today. Yeah. Um, but what is? But what is that actually? A per, a per gallon, it'd be three dollars per gallon. Right. But I'm saying, like, what is the actual? Because what is the actual change of money due to inflation? 
Um, true. So inflation calculator. So find the U.S. dollar value if something in 1970. That's 1975. If you if in 1975 you purchase an item for 57 cents, in the same item in 2021 would cost 27 dollars and 58 cents. Oh. So. Yeah. No. Not the same at all. No. <laughs> Um, guest stars Pat Harrington and Barbara Rhodes, who play the boss and the secretary. Oh, Barbara Rhodes is the tall lady. Mm -hmm. Um, in this episode, guest starred together in the Partridge Family episode, Danny and the Mob, as an engaged couple. Hmm. While talking about Kitz Miller, Kolchak jokingly says that the worst problems are caused by vice presidents. This was filmed not long after Richard Nixon, who had been a vice president until President Eisenhower, was forced to resign in wake of Watergate. It also refers to Spiro Agnew, Nixon's vice president, who had been forced to resign the year before due to allegations he had taken bribes while governor of Maryland. Paul <laughs> Shack really said, fuck the government, though. It also has to do with the vice president. Never mind. <laughs> They wouldn't have known how terrible things are. <laughs> I'm not cutting that out. Thomas Kitzmiller implies that he is so good at his job that he could handle the price of gasoline going up um, to $5 a gallon. That would be a tall order, as that amount adjusted for inflation would be equivalent to $24 a gallon now. $24 a gallon? No, thank you. No, 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 no. Not on my watch. <laughs> if you would like to donate money, um, either to baseball butts and bell bottoms, or to us having to fill our gas tank when inevitably the government ruins everything and it does go up to $24 a gallon because we did it, Joe. Um... You can send us money via email. <laughs> Sending money via email. <laughs> I don't know. We don't have a PayPal. Yeah, just you know, drop your fucking bank information in our fucking email. You know, well, yeah, but know. here's the thing. You used to be able to send money via Facebook Messenger, so and funny. now Instagram is owned by Facebook, so Instagram Messenger and Facebook Messenger are the same thing. So you can DM us money on Instagram. Yo, go for it. At Monica.Lynn underscore baby. I was thinking more of at Death and Aliens. Because, or at Death and Aliens. Because uh, we need the money. At Death and Aliens on Instagram and Twitter. And like I said before, at Monica.Lynn underscore for my personal Instagram. And at Mon underscore Lynn underscore on Twitter for my personal Twitter. Where I kind of just post depressing shit when I'm in my feelings at 3 a.m. You can follow me. On both at uh, E M K A Y underscore superstar. I don't really post anything except on Twitter. I do retweet shit about the Big Brother and the Bachelorette a lot. Yeah, that you do. That you very fucking do. <laughs> and with that, email us your money, DM us your money, and tell us we're pretty. And buy bell bottom jeans. Yeah, boy, uh, baseball butts and bell bottom jeans. We're fucking serious. <laughs> 
If you do own bell bottoms that make your butt look good, please send us pictures. We will feature them on our Instagram. Um, and with that, we will talk to you later because I don't know where we're going right now. We'll see ya.